that about a year before we bought into it, Canada had a law that you were allowed to advertise adult-only buildings, and it had been advertised as an adult-only building. I don't mean to. I don't mean to interview. Sorry to mess you up. I, no, I we're think, live. I think we're live, and also Heather. I hope we're Facebook friends because otherwise I tagged some other. Heather Smith, but <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, I, I didn't see the blue hair in the in the Facebook profile, so I hope uh, the blue hair only arrived an hour ago. Hope is you. Okay, hi, right. guys. Uh, first of all, uh, for the people that have been waiting since eleven thirty, we had some technical difficulties. Andrew is broadcasting from his hotspot. I'm broadcasting from my laptop in my garage off my hotspot also. And I, I don't have my cigar yet. So I'm going to get my cigar and my scotch in a second. Andrew, I'll let you kick it off. And uh, let's talk to our, our guest today. Yeah. So this is all my fault, the technical difficulties, because I decided we should go back and have a cigar. Like the first Facebook Lives that we did with Hector. Um, so it's all my fault that we were delayed. So I apologize to everyone. But it's well worth the wait because we have Heather Smith from Australia with us. Um, Heather, welcome to Friday Night Live, and thank you, thank you for joining us. Um, thank I you think, so much for having me on the show. I think everyone knows. I, I I see you so much on social, and I heard so much about you well before we ever left. So I assume everyone knows who you are. But just in case there's one person living under a rock who doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself? So yes, I, my name is Heather Smith, and this is actually um, my office that I work in. I work from a home office. Um, I've been working from um, a home office for about a decade now. I moved in. I, I, I originally fell in love with accounting uh, when I was about 14, when I realised it was something you could use your brain and you could travel with. And so I actually, as uh, we were discussing earlier before the show, um, worked as an accountant in Canada, worked as an accountant in England. Um, in Singapore and, and I actually studied an international accounting qualification and then coming back to Australia in uh, around 2000 when the Olympic Games were on, um, a, a bit later than that, a bit later after that, started my own business and was able to, from this home office, uh, find clients all over the world uh, leveraging cloud technology um, and using the cloud technology. Um, I, I, I love to write. There's a, you know, I, I, I've always loved to write as well as the accounting side um, and started the blogging, the social media, but then um, was asked uh, to write books. Um, I was actually asked to write books about the accounting, popular accounting software here in Australia, NYB, wrote books on how to start businesses. And then um, uh, Rod Drury, who was the founder of Zero, uh, asked me over Twitter to write a book about Zero. And uh, that launched um, joining the For Dummies range as a For Dummies author and have written seven books in that series now, seven books in that series on different elements and different avenues there. Um, so spend a lot of time content creating. Um, I also host a podcast called Cloud Stories, which is interviewing people who are focused on accounting technology. Uh, I facilitate a mastermind group of advanced people talking about accounting technology. Um, I host an in real life meetup, which we held last um, uh, week. It has been running um, monthly for five years and uh, Patty and Scott Schaff came and presented it. So it was actually wonderful to have them um, and have we, we had every e-commerce guru in Brisbane come along and listen to them. We were just blown away by what he had to say. So it's a fantastic session. We even had people flying um, in for that session. So that was wonderful. 
and uh, I have an, a, a very focused newsletter just talking about um, apps. And uh, I normally say I have a YouTube channel, but Hector has such a massive YouTube channel compared to me. Um, so I do have a, <laughs> a small YouTube channel as well. But all about content creating, all about talking about the technology and actually how to use um, uh, accounting tools. I love accounting and um, I try and explain the 101 to get people on board and I like to have those advice discussions so hopefully that that sums me up yeah well I think that's that's a great background uh, and you were you were on the cloud before it was called the cloud so uh, thank you for sharing all this content and this wisdom with the, with the community uh, I'd say what's the thing that's got you most interested and buzzed right now with what's going on with technology in the accounting world today oh good question um, the adoption, I think, as many people call, it's a wave. And um, the adoption, there's still so many people who um, need to, um, are, are uh, out there who haven't adopted it yet or are not, not there yet. So um, educating them people without overwhelming them. So that's kind of the area, aspect that I like of it. Um, and I'm very much into uh, business intelligence solutions, management reporting solutions. So seeing where, where they can actually push themselves in terms of um, being able to plug into something and forecast outwards, uh, you know, like inventory, like, you know, if we're actually running decent inventory, can we forecast outwards? And there's not some great tools that do that yet, but, but are, are they coming along? Um, yeah, so that's kind of, what I'm thinking of at the moment in terms of I'm spending a lot of time um, working with people and educating them on that wave. Uh, and uh, kind of one of the things that's been buzzing around in my head, especially after spending some time with um, Patty and Scott Scharf and uh, uh, knowing that I'm coming to the US in May, um, what would accounting be like on Mars? If we were to go to Mars tomorrow and set up accounting again, what would it look like if we were to uh, um, put in the optimal bank system, put in the optimal tax regime, put in the optimal business connectivity, rather than be in our own teacup and restricted by things that we're just used to and just accept, or um, things that are uh, red tape that is around us, like um, Patty told me that you've got 13,000 sales taxes in the USA, um, which freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, thankfully in Canada, it's not nearly as bad. But yeah, it's, it's literally, I mean, the sales tax in the US is daunting. I, I had a conversation with a client today who was thinking of launching a product on, that he'll sell on Amazon. Um, and he's scared to death of what the, what the implications are of all the sales tax and all the issues, particularly with um, the recent changes that have gone on with, with Nexus. And now, even if you're not in the individual state, you, you could very well be um, liable for state taxes. So it's, it, the states uh, makes me glad to be a Canadian when it comes to their sales tax. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting to imagine what the world would look like if we had our dream structure and dream system. So I guess the, the question is, would it just be just all one tax and it would be just a percentage of your bottom line and it's just one number and it's really easy and the only thing we're concerned about is actually worrying about calculating or projecting forward what the future looks like? Is that the ideal state? I think the tax would be a consumer tax. 
I think it would be better to be a consumer tax rather than a bottom line tax because uh, rich people can always avoid a bottom line tax, whereas rich people can't afford a consumer tax. Interesting. But the problem is the people in power are the rich people, so they'll never change yes. that. <laughs> yes, but we're moving to Mars. We're moving to Mars. We're redoing it. We're not letting them, them, them control it. It's just like what what optimal um what what is the optimal option for us so yes i agree everything is either hodgepodge together or um unfortunately here in it because i think you you you've actually done really well in canada we we um see that a lot of your members of parliament are actually educated in their actual specific positions whereas a lot of our members of parliament are educated in being a politician and they're not specific so when tax laws come into place they're they're a bit of a, a patchwork quilt um, yeah. and not necessarily something that the um, accountant if he was to put together would have devised and uh, we we do have committees that put things together, but then the, the parties won't agree to it because they won't get the votes and it never, it kind of never gets out what, what it should be. However, I am not a tax accountant, but I just think it could be a lot simpler. Yeah, well, I can tell you, you it's, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying Canada's got it better. We do not have it figured out. I can tell you now. <laughs> the budgets that we release and some of the tomfoolery that goes on with what happens with taxes, um, it's, it's still very, very political. It's more about optics than it is about restructuring anything. Uh, and it's a, it's a real shame. And, you know, I, I was literally having this conversation, I think it was with Hector last week, where we were just talking about, like, what's the, like is it incompetence or is it, um, is it, is it intentional? Um, or, and, and Hector sort of leaned towards the side that he didn't think it was um, intentional and he didn't think it was ignorance. He thought it was just basically optics. It was like, how can I make things look good for the people I'm trying to impress at this very moment? And then once I've got yeah. them happy, then step back and I don't care. Who, who cares what mess I've created out of this situation? Yeah. And there's no uh, long-term planning. There's no long-term buy-in. And that's why I think the consumer tax, um, if we if we eliminated all other taxes and just had a consumer tax in there, um, it would uh, trim everything. And I don't even mind it being 20% or 30%. Um, and, and it would actually capture what we would need. Yeah, oh, 20%, 30%, that'd be fabulous. We, we're paying a lot more than that here in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Our highest personal tax rate is 54% here in Ontario. Do you find that, because one of the things was, so back, back in 2010 when I kind of came up and decided to start my own business, um, one of the reasons we did was for tax reasons. It was actually going to be far more tax beneficial for me to sit in a business and do the work I was doing than to actually do it for someone. And even if I was taking home the exact same amount, the benefits. So are there a lot of small businesses in Canada? And is it a dream that people actually have? I could actually start a small business. Is it something that, it, it, like when you go to a, a, a kid's party, are there a lot of small business owners there? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say there's there's quite a lot of small business owners in Canada. I mean, um, we have probably the highest per capita number of small businesses, especially when you compare it to the U.S. Um, and and it's largely because of the tax benefits that you get by being a small business. So we talked yeah. about the the um, highest personal tax rate in Ontario being over 54 percent, but the corporate tax rate is only 15 percent. So that's a pretty big incentive to set up a yeah. corporation and leave money inside that entity. 
Um, and I think that, that that tax structure and that tax incentive has been there for a long time and has encouraged a lot of small businesses, um, which is why Canada is structured the way it is with so many small businesses. But then in addition to that, there just is this, um, this new millennial focus that everyone wants to be self-employed. So uh, particularly with the younger generation, and, and I think that that stems from more of, you know, they don't want to be bossed around than anything else, which, hey, let's face it, none of us really want to be bossed around. Um, but the reality is that there's a higher percentage of younger people that really want to become small business owners than there has been with any other generation in the past. Um, and we've already always been very strong in the entrepreneurial spirit here in Canada. Um, so I don't have the exact statistics on, on the number of small businesses, but I know um, we're, we're, I'm actually quite proud of how uh, important small business, what an important role small business plays uh, in the Canadian economy. What's it like in Australia? Well, Kector, what do you think, what, what, what is your perspective on that? On anything that we have spoken in the past 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I was put on, I was put officially on break uh, by Andrew and Michael because I spoke too much last Friday. So I, I was, I was uh, biting my tongue for a while. Um, so a the last 40 minutes are yours, Hector. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, for, first comment I want to make, uh, Andrew said that he, he, he thinks they have it easy in Canada because there's some, so much sales tax in the U S and I would say that may be a little bit, that, that may be one of the parts that's a bit complex in the States sales tax across multiple states, but the vast majority of small businesses, service-based small businesses, which is a big chunk of them, uh, they don't do sales tax and they don't do sales tax across the state, especially in, in big states like Florida, California, Texas. Most of these businesses are pretty much self-sustaining within their state. And these people, if they're not registered to do sales tax and they don't do payroll, they have zero compliance for an entire year. So in, oh, in many wow. ways, in many ways, I can tell you the easiest place to do business is the States because oh. in, in Canada and I assume Australia, because of the whole concept of GST and VAT, uh, which I assume they're similar in many ways, you're, you're, you're doing tax transfers all the time. You're receiving tax, you're paying tax, and you always have to account for the value added tax. In the States, we don't have that. And there's so many companies that don't sell products. They don't have to charge sales tax. So in many ways, a big chunk of businesses in the U.S. are the easiest to do business with, period. And accountants have it so easy, so easy. You know, we can we can literally do nothing with a client for a whole year. They give us the bank statements once a year. We prepare a cash basis, financial statement. Companies in the States now up to $25 million a year in sales can report cash basis. $25 million a year can report cash basis. <laughs> You can have a $24 million business selling inventory, having prepaid vendors, customer deposits, and do the entire thing in cash basis. So in many ways, if you ever envy, or you're ever saying, I'm glad I'm not in the States as an accountant, I can tell you, in the US, it's pretty damn easy. Now, yeah. for the little companies that are selling across 30 states and they have to send 30 tax returns per month, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And it got, and it got worse this year or earlier last year when the Supreme Court ruled, not to get wonky on it, but 
the South, there was a South, South Dakota sued. Uh, yeah, Wayfair. Yeah, Wayfair sued South Dakota. No, South Dakota sued. South Dakota Wayfair. sued Wayfair. Wayfair, so they can collect sales tax. In, in this. It's like a Amazon for uh, okay. furniture. It's like Amazon yeah, for can. furniture. So they're, they're all large ticket items. Oh, everything is large ticket in Wayfair, $1,000 plus. So there's a lot of sales tax. And in the States, we have this complicated thing. So I'll, I'll give you for, for the Aussies and the Canadians that may not be familiar with this. In the States, a lot of a lot of times when you buy across a state, you don't pay sales tax. And it's not because you don't have to. It's because the compliance laws are super lax. So, mm-hmm. so what ended up happening is you had a huge company like Wayfair selling in South Dakota. They were selling, let's say, a million dollars a year. And because Wayfair is not in South Dakota, they were shipping to South Dakota and not charging sales tax. And, uh-huh. and this, this was legal because they didn't have any presence or any nexus in there. But... South Dakota uh, sued and they said, look, even though they don't have presence, they have a substantial amount of customers, a substantial amount of sales. And because of that, I should be able to charge sales tax here. So uh, Amazon lost this battle uh, like seven years ago and Amazon sales charges sales tax across the board just to be safe. You know, it's like, you know what? Forget it. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to charge sales tax. So Amazon was good. So, so some of these big companies are all having to charge sales tax. So for them, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big compliance, but they have the budget to have 100 people in the accounting department. The problem is for that little guy that produces, I don't know, baseball hats, and he starts selling substantial amounts in eBay and Amazon, and they're building it from his garage or whatever, he's going to have to now file 20, 30 sales tax returns, and that's insane. So, so I would say both <laughs> sides of the coin. The U.S. is not as complex as they, as they make it make it sound to be you know from outside like the way andrew is perceiving it so the comment that was the first comment second comment and i'll try to be brief on the second one uh you were talking about the optics of tax okay so the new tax plan december of 2017 got approved in the u.s right if you if you if you love trump then you you call it a trump tax plan right because because you want you want all the positive side from it and if you hate trump you call it, they, they, right? You also call it a Trump tax plan because the implications is that Trump is going to charge you uh, more tax if you're the little guy and less if you're the rich guy. Anyway, it's not the Trump tax plan, it's the conservative Republican. Long story short, they did lower the tax rate, but, but one of the things that they did for optics is the tax plan was released January 1st of 2018. Then the White House, in order to get a public win, nothing to do with policy, order the IRS to lower the withholding tables so people receive the, the, the deduction of their paychecks. They, they immediately feel their oh, okay. you know, bigger paychecks, right? This is all the optics of it. So yeah, this that's ha- just withholding. That's not actual tax. Right. Well, it's, with, it's withholding and it's an estimate, right? So mm-hmm. the IRS makes an estimate ba- based on the new tax tables, based on the new tax plan. M- many companies screw up, right? They, they get the number wrong or whatever. And a lot of people get under withholding, and we and nobody knows this. Some websites are are are, are making calculations, and they're, they're writing articles saying, "Be careful, you know, you're not going to get a bigger refund. It's going to be possibly a smaller refund, or you have to pay." Nobody paid attention to it. We're in the middle of tax season, and most people are getting smaller refunds. And I, that that may be a really big blanket statement, but a lot of folks that were not business owners that were employed, they're getting smaller refunds because their paychecks were. Where, where for optical purposes, because the White House wanted this to happen, 
were, were changed and possibly miscalculated. So people are now not getting such a big refund and they're complaining that the tax plan, the new tax law was a scam, you know, it, it was all a lie, this and that, where, where it's actually not. It's just, yeah. you know, miscalculations on the withholding. But that's what I mean by the optics of it. So obviously yeah, yeah. The, the people that hate Trump or the, or the Democrats or whatever, they're saying, see, you know, the Trump tax plan didn't work and that's inaccurate. It's just they don't, they're not explaining the whole story. Right. Yeah. So that's so that's what I. And that's, it's difficult to explain that to the layperson anyway. Difficult. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Explain the, the concept of the time value of money and that actually it's in their incentive to get the refund earlier rather than at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with convincing the average guy on that one. Yeah. Well, you yeah, you know you know how you know how I start. You know how I start. I tell people if you're getting a refund, you're doing it wrong. All right. That's what I say. Yeah. If, absolutely. If yeah. Absolutely. So if, if you're getting a refund, we're doing it wrong. So I, I'm yeah. not going to celebrate a refund. I'm, I'm going to celebrate a tax liability of 9999 because $1,000 and above, you pay a penalty. Under 1000 you don't. So let's get a tax-free loan from the government for $999. That is the optimal tax plan, right? So you had money yeah. in your pocket the entire time to purchase inventory faster, to negotiate you know, rates with, with your vendors. You know, having cash on hand is better they're getting a surprise bonus for 5,000 bucks. Now, granted, some folks just don't know how to save. They don't have the saving etiquette. And the tax and the tax refund was the only concept of saving they, yeah, had, ever, they had ever yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. So how does yeah. it, how, how does do taxes work uh, similar in Australia where you withhold See, and not, you get a refund? <laughs> yes, yeah, it does. You can do that. I'm I'm not a tax specialist, so I don't necessarily know. Um, I, I don't have a great depth of knowledge on tax. Um, I think we potentially have it simpler because we've got um, maybe six states. We've got so, much, so few states um, and a lot of it happens federally um, and is then redistributed. And it seems that uh, America, your states almost run as countries and there's, there's a lot of segregation between them, which we, we don't kind of have. And we felt that like when we drive around America and you pass from one state to the other, the drivers drive differently. Um, <laughs> so, so it, you know, there, there is a great deal of difference in, in states there, I think. But yes, you know, we do have PAYG withholding tax, which is on your payroll. But uh, um, uh, you would expect pretty much not to get anything back or pay anything, and something's gone wrong if 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 either one is happening. So it may be a very small amount. Now, on your in your personal tax system, isn't a lot of it automated? Like when when it comes to filing, is is it not just basically most of it's basically automated, and you're only filing if there's an exception? No, 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 no. You have to, no. everyone has to file. In Australia, everyone has to file and we have to go on. We typically we will go online. If we're tech savvy, we'll go online and it will pull, it will auto fill a lot of it in and then we will yeah. submit it. But they have a lot of, do you have H&R block? They have a yeah. lot of uh, small little H&R blocks everywhere that people might go to or they'll go to their tax accountant and, and they'll also talk to their tax accountant about superannuation and do a review with that. And maybe they've got property investment and they'll talk about that. And, you know, maybe he will, he will have trust, etc. So they are supposed to submit tax every year. And I think um, we've actually got Will Fennell's listening in at the moment. He's not listening in. He can't <laughs> get audio because he's in a plane. Um, but I think when I lived in the UK, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to submit anything. You just just existed. Um, yeah. But we 
absolutely have to submit. Yeah. Um, and it's 30th of June is our end of financial year. And uh, it's kind of like three months later that the submission has, has to have happened. However, um, now our ATO, our Australian Taxation Office, a lot of that autofills. So the banks, the interest from banks, the, the, the shares, um, dividends, all of that auto populates for you. So you kind of wait maybe two or three weeks and then it all fills out for you. I know yeah. that I know the CPA lobby here in the U.S. will be all over any sort of auto filling system, right? Because the the lack of the auto filling system is welfare for CPAs. Um, you know, they start they start making this stuff automated. CPAs, are, well, not not all of them, but a lot of them are are going to have to figure out what else to do because um, a lot of us make a this is a substantial amount of our of our money on either preparing taxes or doing work for the preparation. Uh, so is that. is that a hurdle to adoption of automation in your country? You know, um, the, the Andrew, answer first. Well, I gotta say, cause we have, we have autofill here in Canada and it's relatively new, a couple of years old. Um, and it's now available for, I think it was been available for accountants for a couple of years um, and now available to the general public. The reality is, even with autofill, people aren't doing their own personal tax returns. Um, and so it's actually just improved the margins for the accountants, uh, for many of them. Either either they're reducing the amount of time that they're spending per return and doing more returns and still charging by the hour, or if they're on a value-based billing approach, they're making more money. Like I had, We had uh, one client that uh, we processed for personal tax returns that for years was a nightmare client because she's a heavy investor personally. Um, and literally, I think there was 35 um, uh, T-slips for her investments uh, that in the past had to be manually entered that with directing a download were just literally imported in about 30 seconds. And that made, and, and not, not only that, when you're dealing with that volume of transactions, you're, you're the, potential for human error is so high um, that that you know it took a lot of time just reviewing and going through it to make sure that it had been done properly um, and now it's so much so much easier and faster to do that return um, now that being said we are we have now have our own issues with automation and autofill our return where the government doesn't have the right information on hand so you've got to make sure that oh. That, yeah, because we, we've encountered that a number of times. Like, and if you go to do your tax return too early, even though everyone's supposed to have filed their, all their T-slips by the end of February, um, you go in there, even now we're going in and, and we're now almost in April. And it's not uncommon for slips that have been filed and filed on time, still not processed and uploaded on the CRA website. Um, and so that's, that's the problem you have there is you can't, even though we have autofill, you cannot at this point completely rely on it for like, you've got to, you've got to basically double check. So basically our process here for our own firm, I can't speak to everyone else, but for our own firm is we do an autofill pre-populate it and then take the physical slips that we receive from the clients, scan them, and then basically uh, reconcile them against the autofill. And if they're in there, great, it's super simple. All we're doing is attaching that document into the tax return as a hyper document and we're done. Um, but we're basically having to go through that 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 cross check process to make sure that what the government has is actually consistent with what the client has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's no, interesting. For for the record, I want to say that 
our idea of Friday Night Fun is to compare the taxation systems of Canada, <laughs> Australia, and US. <laughs> and, and we wish we had Will here and we, Will Fennell here and we yeah. could be, have the interview yeah. as well. Them yeah, being in a plane, flying home from Singapore. Well, well at least, least he's... I was just going to say, at least he's he's on a plane and can comment because if it's in the UK, it would be pretty late in the, pretty late in the evening. I doubt he'd be up right now. But sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Hector. No, I wanted to ask you a question, Heather. So, um, for the for the US and, and Canada audience, which pretty much have an idea of what bookkeeping and accounting looks like from day to day, can you tell me, Heather, what's a typical bookkeeper, outsource accountant do for an Australian company? Like what what do Australian businesses hire someone like you for generally? Um, so the bookkeeper role is evolving here in Australia and it does seem that um, if they're embracing uh, automation, it is very much evolving into what I would call a management accountant role almost. Um, so they're ensuring the data, all data is in the actual accounting file and it is accurate and presented correctly for the period that they're uh, reconciling to. Uh, they will be doing payroll, they'll be doing a comprehensive detailed payroll um, and almost having full responsibility for payroll, which uh, I imagine your payrolls are complex as well. Um, superannuation, they will have almost full responsibility for that. There's some areas that the, because um, we have the term bookkeeper. Could you, could you explain super? Can you explain superannuation? Yeah. I thought I was stupid either. Superannuation. Um, pension. Pension? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Pension. pension. Okay. So, so. Uh, Pri sorry. Uh, Pri private pension or government funded, government run administered pension? Here in Australia, if you are an employee of me, um, I am giving you $100. I also have to give you that $100 and I have to put 9.5% of that into a superannuation fund, which is a pension fund, which can be one that you manage yourself, which is an SMSF, a self-managed super fund, SMSF, or it can be a publicly um, available superannuation fund, or it can be one that the a default one chosen by the company, or the company um, may actually have set up its own pension or superannuation fund. Um, typically here in Australia, you have a choice of where it will go. However, there have uh, are some businesses that force you to put it into certain areas. Um, and people who are financially savvy and have um, a wealth planning will have their own personal self-managed super fund. So I have a self-managed super fund on um, uh, Simple Fund 360 with uh, BGL, and I can go in and see exactly how much uh, money is in there at any point in time, and so it has an, bank fees. It has uh, bank feeds going into it. It has okay. shares going into it. Has all of those details feeding in, just like an online accounting file. It's an online accounting file for my pension or my superannuation fund. And when I reach a certain age, I can then start tapping into that. And as um, a company, do, you, do I have to keep accounting of that super fund? If Track I'm a the capital gains and all that stuff. If I am a company, I don't have a super superannuation or pension obligation. If I am a company paying payroll, then I have a superannuation or pension obligation. 
um, so so the, it's the payment of the payroll that has that obligation. And uh, so you will get some small business owners who've actually not put aside a pension for themselves because of the way they've distributed their money. They haven't distributed in that way um, to attract an obligation to pay pension. But again, that's not my specialty. You're doing a great job, by the way. So (laughs) as an employer, one of your obligations is to take 9.5% of someone's uh, salary or 0.9 or 9.5. Oh, no, no. It's on top of, so I would, so I owe you $100. So $100 goes into your wage and then 9.5, so $9.50 goes to your superannuation. And I collect it and then I pay it. So I collect it um, every pay, every, uh, every pay, and then I pay it. And you also have to withhold income taxes, I, I and assume. And I have to withhold, withholding tax, it's called. With, yes, but I'm, I'm withholding, withholding tax, and I am remitting or paying that to the Australian Taxation Office. And um, that is a periodic thing, depending on the size of the company, either monthly, quarterly, or annually. But okay, typically monthly. You so don't have fair. to. Yeah, you don't have to be of a considerable size to, to have it forced on you monthly. And Andrew, I think something. Well, I just think it's such an amazing uh, concept. I actually, now that you bring it up, I remember talking to Guy Pearson about it um, a couple of years ago. We were on a plane, and he was explaining to me about the whole superannuation and the fact that you can actually be involved in the planning of your. What in Canada we have CPP Canada Pension Plan, so we we have a similar obligation that employers must remit a certain amount to your pension, but yeah. you have absolutely no control whatsoever of where, what happens with that pension and, and the return on that pension is actually quite shitty. Um, and, and when it comes to tax planning, you have options here in Canada. You could do a dividend instead of a salary and dividends you don't have to pay Canada pension on. So some people opt to do dividends just so that they don't have to pay into Canada pension because the return is so shitty. But imagine yeah. if you actually had the ability to have an imp- have a say on what happened with your pension dollars. And I remember a guy telling me about how how that was so important for him because it teaches financial literacy at a very early age, right? He was able to go and choose what happened with his, his pension money and make really good returns. So you can actually end up retiring substantially earlier if you're a good financial investor and you know yeah. what to do with your money. So, I, I mean, I think that, that is something I'd love to see Canada. Yeah. So you can buy shares with it. You can buy mutual funds, but you can also buy property. And so what a lot of small business owners will do is they will, um, uh, it has to be very at arm's length, absolutely at arm's length. They'll buy the building that their business will then rent out. So the building is owned by their super fund, their, their, their pension fund, and they yeah. rent it. And every rent check goes back into their pension fund. That doesn't sound very arm's length. <laughs> <laughs> with, with certain, you can't like live in your own house. So yeah. I'm not giving those advice, but but that's that does seem to be what they are, are able to do. But they can own property, they can own everything, they can manage it completely. Um, to, there are a lot of laws governing it, and it has to be audited every uh, period every year. Um, but I, I, I believe, my own personal belief, is the world will be a better place if we have management of our own pers- pension funds or superannuation funds rather than a big company controlling it and controlling the power. And if we vote for politicians who are independent and not aligned to the big parties. There. 
Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree with you. And imagine if it was the government managing your money for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so moving on from superannuation, which is really cool well, sounding. Something else I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what about what about value added tax? What, what does the bookkeepers do on the board? Like, what, what, what is it that you got? What do you guys do with that stuff? Okay, so we call it um, goods and services tax. So essentially, GST. that's a consumer. Yes, uh, GST. Um, uh, that's a consumer tax, and uh, you have to monitor um, all of the transactions that are going in. Most of them will be ten percent, um, but you do have to go and check um, all of them. Um, you, you do. Sorry, you have to check certain ones. Some of them are a little bit tricky. You have to jump in and check them, but. I'm sure as you guys would do, we all use an automated solution. I use Receipt Bank and that automates a, a massive amount of that work. Um, that flows into your accounting solution and essentially um, you're, you're collecting GST. So you have GST collected, GST paid and the net difference you have to um, report to the Australian Taxation Office and pay to the Australian Taxation Office. And the BAS agent actually has a lot of responsibility on them because they actually uh, go in, um, they can either go in through their online accounting software or go in through their portal. They have portals to the ATO and they submit it. And if the BAS agent does it, they're submitting, um, they're they're, um, giving authorization to the Australian Taxation Office that it is correct. which is quite interesting. I think the onus on the the BAS agent is actually quite high because when the tax agent gets the um, uh, the client to sign off on the documents, he gets uh, he or she gets them to say, "You verify that this work is accurate." Whereas the BAS agent, a lot of the onus is actually on them, um, which I think is um, which is which is quite hard for them, um, and and they. Um, what I'm finding with the BAS agents and the bookkeepers, because you very, very rarely now have bookkeepers. Most bookkeepers will go through the um, accreditation process um, and recognition process to become a BAS agent. It's it's a thousand hours supervised um, work to actually achieve that. So the bar has actually been set really high. That came in about seven or eight years ago. And um, so that is very high. But what I'm what I'm seeing is the automation of a lot of that data entry means that the BAS agent um, has a lot of hands-on contact with their client and then can start working with them on the management reporting side of it. Some of them won't necessarily feel comfortable, but they are looking into uh, developing management reports, uh, manipulating data in Excel, developing cash flow forecasts for them, um, and, and, and uh, moving into that space. Um, you see a lot of tax accountants, I think, very much described as what you had described them as, doing the compliance work, doing the compliance work, doing the compliance work. And there's a lot of um, discussion around advisory and around wealth advisory there. The tax accountant, and I don't do tax, will also do um, all of the pension um, or superannuation planning for them, trust planning, um, planning around whether you're going to buy a big car or how you're going to manipulate the sort of the federal budget, um, how you're going to optimise that. So it seems to us, it seems to us that the terminology and the, the, the work that the accountants do in the states is very closely aligned to what we would say a, a BAS agent here in Australia would do, almost. And Heather, but a BAS, 
but a BAS agent would not do individual personalized tax returns. A BAS agent wouldn't do that, but a tax agent would. So, so a BAS agent could be a professional bookkeeper that's also authorized to file the GST returns and manage that process in behalf yes. of the client. Okay. Yes. And Heather, you talked a lot about our automation and all this stuff, compliance going away. Um, based on no real change in the politics, you know, just the tax system stays the same more and more technology comes in. Do you think compliance will ever go away or there's always going to be some form of it? <laughs> um, with the advancement of technology, uh, to me, as a non-tax person, compliance is an algorithm. It's a, it's, it's, it's a huge number of rules and you should be able to apply it so that the... Uh, the robot can generate some of the better outcomes for it. Um, but however that is devised, you still need um, a human element will, benefit, will, will be of benefit there. Such as um, a similar scenario is playing chess. Playing chess with a robot, the outcome is normally, if you do a sort of a test analysis, far better. Um, but from, from a non-tax non specialist, to me, it just looks like wads and wads and wads of rules. Rules we should be able to automate, um, but uh, it, it, it's building in all of those factors. Yeah, I, I guess- So um, we did exactly compliance is dead. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, compliance won't be dead for a while, certainly in Canada. Um, <laughs> And I think one of the other things that, that is interesting to me is um, what, like you, you're talking about um, adoption and people still adopting cloud. Um, mm. And that's interesting to me because I always assume that in Australia, there's everyone's so much further ahead on the adoption curve, but I guess maybe it's not quite as far along the curve as we have. It's just um, loud. You're just loud <laughs> and fun. And the, and the people will stay up with me late night. Um, but, you know, as far as, um, when, it, when it comes to compliance, uh, it, it's I can't imagine that um, that that's going to get to a point, at least in my generation, where it's completely automated. Maybe I'm naive on that, uh, because like you said, there's still like there is certain elements that are there are things that are better done by a computer. Definitively, basic mm. math is going to be better done by by a computer. But there is still so much stuff that is subjective that requires, um, uh, you know, human interpretation, and it's that combination of the technology um, and and the human that ultimately gives the best uh, solution for people. Because um, there, there's like, you know, talking with my clients and thinking through my own individual situations with, that I go through with my clients. You know, I sit down with my clients and I say, you know, from a strictly mathematical standpoint this would be the best thing for you to do. And they're like, yeah, I just don't feel comfortable with that for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe they're more yeah. risk tolerant, maybe they're more risk adverse. Um, and so a lot of, there's a lot of psychology that goes into um, people's finances. And and um, and so it's not a, it, it really isn't going to be a black and white. And particularly when you're always, you know, at least as long as with our tax systems, the way there are there's always going to be options and different things that you can do um, yeah. and different strategies and different tax maneuvers that you can do so you're never really going to completely be able to automate that process away in a way that that um, continues yeah. to reap the best rewards for the small business owner 
And if you as the accountant are actually spending one-on-one quality time with that client, it's likely that you're going to surface information and understanding from them that they didn't fill out in that form, that digital form that you gave them. So it may be that um, they've got three children that they kind of forgot to tell you about or they're contemplating a partnership in another area that they forgot to tell you about. So, or they have interests in particular things. And it's not that they necessarily, did, they didn't even necessarily know to tell you, but uh, it, you know, it's, it's those additional conversations. And I think what we're actually going to see with uh, further adoption of technology, and because I'm very much of a person who doesn't work in nine to five, I just work when I want to work and don't work when I want to work. And it is Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for working on a Saturday. <laughs> that, that was my husband wanting me to drive him to the football. <laughs> so he's going to find his own way there now. Um, um, but I do think that we went through an era where the Industrial Revolution forced us to be soldiers that worked nine to five. And we're now, with the adoption of technology, we're actually coming back into being humans who can work when we want to work, do what we want to do, and, and actually have better connectivity. So so my personal tax account, because I'm not the tax specialist, we go to um, concerts together. We go to the theatre together. We have long lunches. We have really long lunches and we have conversations. And every time I spend time with him, it massively boosts our income because we something clicks, something surfaces that we go, ah, this is something we can do. And it may be that I strategically have to go ahead and do something, but that always comes out every single time from those conversations. And that's, you know, not that as accountants, we want to have eight long lunches. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but being able to actually talk and empathise and hear and spend time with um, our clients. Um, and, and, and once we've seen something with one client uh, going, bang, let's talk to all of our clients about that. And using automated marketing techniques to actually, um, and, 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 you know, I'm on social media all the time. I'm not really. I'm using automated marketing, but saying, okay, this particular technique, let's throw it out and just tell everyone about that. Make sure they're all doing it as well. Yeah, I guess that's the power of technology. It enables you to, to amplify when you've got a specific opportunity to amplify that in, in really new yeah. and interesting ways. Um, yeah. and, and, you're, and it's so true. There's always like unique things that, that, that you identify when you have those conversations. And I think um, last week we were talking about sort of the, um, the sales process and the onboarding process. And Hector actually shared a list of a bunch of great questions that he uses with all of his, cl- his clients to identify. At, at that point, we were really talking about trying to identify where they find value. Um, but are there any good questions that you use in those conversations that you like to have with your clients that you found this is always a good go-to question to to stimulate that conversation? My questions, um, and again, as um, someone who does writing and interviewing people, is always try and make them as open as possible. So not um, say, you know, uh, do you own one of these things? Try and have those questions as open as possible, like, what assets do you have um, and, and, and try and just leverage them to be as open as possible. 
yeah. So the who, what, why, when, and how yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I also sort of think coming back to um, the automation of the compliance, when you actually, um, as the tax specialist, when you actually get that report, whatever it is, you are going to probably be able to scan through it and the issues are going to surface and the questions are going to surface from that um, if there are issues, if it just looks completely standard, you know, it's like, okay, let's go to lunch. But uh, I think that 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 uh, you will become far more analytical and just be at a high level, be able to, to do you do not think so? Yeah, I agree. Hector, what are your thoughts? You, you've gone dark on us now. You're, you're being too quiet. <laughs> uh, once I hit the mute button, it's going to stay muted for a while. Um, so uh, we, he Heather, I know your husband needs, needs you to take him to the No, football. that was my dog. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, we, we're, we're over the stipulated hour, so if you need to go, it's totally okay with us. Um, no, it's fine. He's gone. Okay. <laughs> I, I, He's missed I, his bus. <laughs> yeah, I think, look, you know, we have, we have a, I call it the triangle of small business is the taxation and compliance entities mm -hmm. there. You have their, their business operations, let's call it smoothness. And mm -hmm. we have, we call it their aspirations, right? And as an accountant, you could, you could, as an accountant consultant, right? Because I, I, I like to, I'm a consultant that happens to know accounting, right? Um, that's, that's how I like to label myself. Um, so you can actually, you can pick any of those uh, corners from the, there would it be corners, the, the, the three spokes from the triangle. You can pick any of them and you can do a great job, right? You can concentrate yeah. on just making sure the business runs smoothly. You're a great operator. You understand systems. You understand integration. You, uh, you can train their team to, to press the right buttons and, 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 and digitize stuff and, and, and be on the cloud or whatever. You can also pick one of the sp spokes and just make sure that they don't overpay tax because there's something so emotional about overpaying tax. Like if you overpay for a concert ticket, you enjoy the concert ticket, but no one ever, but no one ever sees the silver lining behind paying extra tax, right? Like, oh, yeah. at least I helped some tax cheaters. You know, people never think like that. So. So there's always like an extreme level of disappointment for anyone that ever overpays any tax. So a person that just helps the person to help the small business owner not to overpay tax is, it's always a good thing. And then the, the third spoke, which is the person that aligns with the future state, not make sure that things run smoothly, make sure that their future state, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, the 15-year plan gets mm -hmm. executed. You can also uh, play that role. In any three of these, you can be 100% technology-based or you can be zero technology-based, right? The, the, I have a great accountant, that uh, a friend of mine that passed away couple, uh, about a year ago. Okay, he was my I'm mentor. He, yeah, he was my mentor. The guy was the worst with technology, the worst. I mean, the, rest in yeah. peace, Bob, but you were the worst in technology. I mean, everything was just really difficult for him. But the guy was a walking encyclopedia of tax. Any tax question you could ask him, slice it or dice it. He could tell you the law, what, you know, what he has done in examinations, what it looks like, what it can look like, what you can argue, this or that. That person didn't need to be in technology to be a great advisor on tax. And he leveraged you know, other people in, their, in, in his firm. He leveraged me a lot. He, he sent me a lot of my first clients 
to the technologies portion. And, and he was able to do a great job with zero technology. So a, a lot of folks that are always singing the praises that without technology, you're going to be left behind. That's not always 100% true. Right? On the operation side, for example, you can have great operators that they know software, understand the mechanics of software, but they get, but they get to the customer and they don't understand that the employee has an attitude problem and that's why they're not learning the software, right? Mm. But if, if you don't have the soft skill of understanding human dynamics, then you can't provide great value too. So I think people get really hung up with, it must be cloud, it must be high tech, otherwise you'll be left out to dry. That's absolutely not true. People with, with soft skills, with advisory skills, with power of observation, people that have that great gut feeling, they can, they can do great things. And this is why a lot of my clients are dumb as hell when it comes to accounting. And you see how much money they make. And as an accountant, you can't help but say, I can't believe that person makes so much money and they have no clue what depreciation is. They have no clue about technology. Like I have many of those. As a matter of fact, yeah. I would argue that my most successful clients are also the dumbest. And I don't want to say that word because some of my clients may be watching, but they may be the farthest away <laughs> from, from high tech, high compliance and business know-how. They know people, they know their business, they know the soft skills, right? They know how to manipulate markets and take opportunities and have great gut feeling. So my thoughts on, on your original question is there's no one, one way of doing this. There's not one single path. I think that it's great to be you know, in the cloud using technology, but I, I think that a lot of folks are, 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 are getting farther and farther away from the human soft skills that allow you to be much more dynamic and much more better at your job, even if you know nothing of the technology. Yeah. And I think with what you were saying, and can, can I um, ask if, if I'm correct, in a accounting practice with maybe eight people, are you saying that they would have different skills or are you saying that the whole accounting practice could not adopt a technology? Or are you saying niche in all those different areas? I, 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 th I think that if you have a, even if it's a small team, 20%, 30% that are completely on the technology mm -hmm. and, they can, and they, can, they can handle the translation of the, you know, the 30 years, because it's, it's more likely for a 25 year old to know how to use QuickBooks, but not know what they're doing. Like they know what to press, but they don't know why they're doing it. And it's, yes. it's more likely for maybe someone in, in the latter of their career five years from retiring to not know what to press in QuickBooks, but immediately tell that there's something wrong with the entry, you know, and, and, and there's, there's a humongous, there's a humongous gap there. So I think that if you can have teams in which you have some really great people that fundamental business and accounting know-how, and then you got the techies doing stuff that could work, that could work really well. Yeah. The problem is a lot of firms, they say, well, everybody has to adopt the cloud. Everybody has to do this. And then you get some of the really talented folks that because you're forcing this technology on them, they are looking sluggish. They are looking unproductive. They are looking slow, although they have the opportunity to be amazing, but you're judging them using mm -hmm. the wrong measuring stick. You're judging them yeah. with, you know, did they go to the cloud? Did they adopt the cloud? Yeah. So I think that great firms can be dynamic enough where they can play both sides of the fence.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think in this connected world, so if we pull back into a, a, a smaller firm where you are lacking in particular areas, you can connect with people who are uh, niching very hard in particular areas. Like uh, I'm very lucky to have a Zapier expert who's actually a certified expert based here in Brisbane. So um, when something is happening in the Zapier world, I don't think about it. I just get this, I just pull that guy in. So that was just sort of one example. But in this connected world, we can pull people in, do the work, and then and then then they can uh, pull out again. I may be losing my audio. Am I still here, guys? Yes, I can. I can hear you still, yeah. Andrew. Andrew, okay. that, you didn't lose your audio. That was a three-second awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> that no. That never happens. Okay, yeah, it's only he Hector Garcia. <laughs> Andrew has nothing to do with 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 being talkative at all. Um, no. So, so Heather, let me let, let me ask you a couple of questions before we wrap it up. What what is your specifically your area of specialty? I will ask you a second question to that, which is what makes you particularly special, and then and then and then tell and then tell me that specialty what makes you special what you're different tell us or tell the group how they could do something like that similar or how they can find their own specialty okay um so my speciality probably has evolved to um be creating a lot of content around accounting apps um i have spent a lot of time in my own practice and adopting um, accounting apps i think i'm at about 224 at the moment um wow. which i Think, look, I, I've actually sat down with Steph Hines, who you guys would know, and she's gone through yep. the list and she's like, yep, 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 yep. So she kind of agrees with everything I've got on my list. Sorry, um, 220, 224 articles? No, apps. No, apps. apps that you reviewed or, or you're no, using them? I'm using in my business. That are all <laughs> with, that's, is that one client? <laughs> no, you, you, you mean across all your clients? No, you no, are, no, within business within my business i'm using about that many I'm sorry. Um, 200 apps yeah wow. but leveraging leveraging sometimes they can be very micro apps sometimes they can be bigger apps depending on what what areas they're going to work um and, okay um, hold on so, sorry 225 apps tell, <laughs> tell me what okay 24. oh sorry about that yeah we're, we're not gonna we don't want to go overboard right um tell me the top five what, what are the top five apps that you're using the one, top five you can't live without? Um, probably uh, G Suite, um, your online accounting software, your receipt bank, um, multiple different um, uh, business intelligence tools like your Data Deer um, or your, uh, your, your float for cash flow forecasting. Um, this, you know, I think many firms who are moving into any business intelligence are using um, a number of different uh, uh, business intelligence tools there. Um, I, yeah, so that's, that's more yeah, than you said, already. You said accounting system to be apolitical, it sounds like. Specifically, what, <laughs> are, you, what are you using, zero or uh, what's the big uh, one in I, Australia? I, I specifically um, use Xero. Uh, yeah. I'm a Xero Platinum practice here in Australia. Yeah. You use QuickBooks Online? I try and be very agnostic. So I try uh, and talk very agnostically. Yeah. Do you use QBO at all? QuickBooks Online at all? 
I have familiarity with it and uh, try and explain it to people when, when it come across it. So if I'm a customer and I come to you and say, hey, I just started a business. I'm trying to decide between QuickBooks Online and Zero. What are the top, what are the three bullet points? Oh, I would never answer that question. Like that. Really? You wouldn't <laughs> answer that? No. You, you no, no. Stay political <laughs> on this one, right? That makes sense. Um, yeah, look, I yeah. would never answer a question like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but I would, I, again, I would pull people in who are experts in a particular area. So it would probably be more likely what area you're specializing in. Am yeah. I the best for you or is there someone else um, that, that is good for you? Um, yeah, I like the agnostic thing. I, I'm, I'm farm. Sorry, go ahead, Heather. Zoom is another great tool for accountants that we're using now. Like this is a great tool that um, I, I'm always telling accountants they should use. What are you using for your CRM? I have multiple um, solutions in place. <laughs> multiple. Wow. Yeah, multiple so. CRMs. And how, how do you keep them no, all in multiple sync? Multiple solutions. You... No, no, no. Multiple solutions um, doing various things in place. Um, so, so I don't specifically have one CRM and I probably, um, just, um, I'm more about populating through social media and marketing tools. So MeetEdgar is a really good tool for, um, I find yep. for uh, social media population. Hector, what are your top five? Um, well, I, I use QuickBooks, uh, I, I use all the QuickBooks suites, QuickBooks Online, QuickBooks, uh, Premier Pro Enterprise, uh, uh, online, all the options. I particularly stay away from self-employed. I stay away from okay. the lower version of QuickBooks Online, Simple Start. I just don't like not having all the reports. Um, I try to move everyone to either QuickBooks Online or QuickBooks Enterprise because I, I want them to be in the top tier suite. I don't use zero at all. I, I had one client with it and I had to part ways because took me like 20 minutes to figure out how to do a balance sheet with the previous year compared to zero for dummies book <laughs> yeah sure. i'll take it um yeah i'll take it okay something so lower you... than dummies like like yes yeah anyway, anyway okay so so obviously the accounting systems um i use g suite so for the most part we're working with gmail uh we're building a lot of the spreadsheets that we use as a team uh with with all the google drive platforms yes. although mm -hmm. i can't stand google sheets i think is i i feel i'm very unpro in, unproductive in them okay. i mm -hmm. i usually build a spreadsheet in excel with all yeah. the excel tools and then i upload it to to google drive so we can do the sharing and the uh, so that's why that's is that, a, that speed oh i'm sorry is that the speed issue or uh, feature issue it it's um i think a knowledge. lot of, i i think it's not it's for sure it's knowledge i think a lot of us tend to judge a software by how good we are in them, not how good the software is. So I'm, I'm, I'm prejudging how bad Google Sheets is based on how little I know of it. So because I know Excel better, I use Excel and then I upload it. So that's a, a must tool. Another tool that I use is called Money Thumb to QBO Convert Pro, which is a tool that can take a PDF bank statement and convert it into Excel format, which allows me to then clean it up and then import it into QuickBooks in whichever way, shape, or form um, I want. I would say that okay. we, we use that tool every single day. Um, okay. Another tool that we use, I mean, it's, it's obvious, but Adobe Acrobat Pro, yeah. the one you can edit uh, PDFs. 
Because all the time people ask me to edit one little thing on a tax return and my tax software doesn't do it. And it's just easier uh-huh. to just open it and change it there, send it, send it to the client. Um, so that's 15 bucks a month. That's, that's, a, that's a month, uh, monthly fee. So we're using uh, that uh, quite a bit. I'm using to record videos. I'm using ScreenFlow when I'm on my oh, Mac. Okay. When I'm on my Mac. Oh, nice. And, and I use uh, Camtasia. I use Camtasia when I'm on a PC. Um, I love Camtasia. Yep. Yeah, I, I use Camtasia on a PC. I use Dropbox uh, typically to, to transfer files between my Mac, my server, and my home office. I find it easier to move stuff in Dropbox. Dropbox is a must in our yeah. firm. Um, I use TeamViewer for all of our re- my remote consulting. When I do training, I always use TeamViewer. I don't use Zoom. I hate oh. Zoom for remote access. I love oh. Zoom for communication, but I don't think it's fast enough for remote access. Okay. So I use... Yeah. I hear that. So, so I, I use yeah. team. So many times I connect via Zoom for communication, but I use TeamViewer to connect into someone's uh, computer. Yeah. Uh, but I Zoom use, sucks that you can't share two screens. That drives me freaking bonkers about. Yeah. That. So Zoom can do dual screen, and TeamViewer can. So that's some yeah. that's something to think about. Yeah. I have a little I have a little app in my Mac. Uh, that's it's called uh, SuperClip. Is it called SuperClip? Yeah, I think it's called Superclip. Let me find out. Copy Clip. And what it does Copy is it, it keeps a history of my clipboard. Now, in Techie Talk, oh. a clipboard is every time you hit copy. So oh, if I hit copy, paste, and then I something else, copy and paste, I have a history of something that I copied before. So I can go yeah. back retroactively and pull the last thing that I copied so I can paste it um, again. So yeah. that's another uh, pretty interesting uh, that's very cool. That we use. I have right? to see if I can find one for a PC. Yeah, that was. <laughs> there are. There are. By the way, uh, they, they are. Yeah. I have. And little. It's little things like that that can make things. a big difference for people, and that's why, like I say, two hundred. But it's because I've I've actually physically counted everything, and you wouldn't like you've remembered it, but you wouldn't re- always remember something like that to tell people. But it can make you know every day you can touch it just for a few seconds, and it saves you a few minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I got, yeah, I, got little... I got more apps. I got more apps, Andrew. If you're interested, <laughs> that's that's more than five. I think. Okay, okay, go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep mine very simple. I mean, uh, there's lots of different technology that we use all the time. My go-to number one app is my Tim Hortons app. Okay, is get my coffee in the morning without having to line up. That's that's my go-to app. The most important. Piece oh of my technology god, you, you you're, you're for real. There is a Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Tim Hortons app, and and I, and I howl every time I walk into the Tim Hortons and I see all these fools standing in line, and I walk up to the to the mobile order pickup. So <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, don't you value your time, people? You know, I do. Let, let, let me say something. I have an espresso machine, so I laugh at all the fools that go to Starbucks. Period. So okay. anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Okay. You you got me beat there. So yeah. okay. Outside of the day to day stuff, um, our Number one, most important piece of technology that we use is our CRM. We use a, we use Infusionsoft, um, oh, which wow. I, I, I'm actually the polar opposite of you, Heather. I'm trying to minimize the number of apps that I use and try to centralize all of my information into one yeah. tool as much as I can um, and try to get as much information into um, Infusionsoft as I possibly can. Now, as a result of that, um, my number two is Zapier because Zapier allows me to pull from the other apps that I'm forced to use 
to get that information into Infusionsoft. Um, and then number three is going to be Calendly. Like Calendly is such an important yes. yep. tool, yep. Uh, any, any, any calendar booking tool. because And we have clients seem to just rave about having the ease of use to be able to book that meeting with you um, quickly and easily. And then um, Zoom, which is what we're using now, we used to use GoToMeeting. Um, having the, the ability to have virtual meetings with our clients, I mean, that's been a huge game changer for us over the last four or five years. And yes. like, and this is coming from a traditional bricks and mortar business where everyone, we used to have every one of our clients would come in for a physical meeting to the point yeah. where if you ever see when I zoom from my, from my office, you'll see a big um, computer screen behind my head because I thought I was so revolutionary. Where I was like, well, instead of me having to try and show you my computer and turn it around, why don't I have a big uh, TV behind my head so you can see what I was doing? which at the time was so revolutionary. Now, I like I never even use it because I don't, clients don't come into my office. They, they come in with Zooms. So Zoom is obviously an important part, an important feature. Um, and right now, Receipt Bank seems to be huge for me. Um, we, we've only recently moved on to their um, fixed fee pricing, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, where, where it's basically everything for one price. And that to yeah. me was a game changer. Um, and now we're using that in so many different ways. I, I just did a video. Oh, I'm running out of battery. Um, where, where we just did a video where we're now using receipt bank, even for personal taxes, um, just oh. using Excel. Um, yeah, we, big, we, big fan we, of receipt bank. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of receipt bank and, and, and just OCR capability, like the, yeah. the ability to, to just whip out your phone and take a picture and, and you're done with the transaction is 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 probably the largest fundamental shift in what's happening with the accounting and bookkeeping world to yeah. change that that process from here's a shoebox to here's my phone like yeah is 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 revolutionary so um receipt bank is a big one for us uh, and then of course we are a qbo firm so we use qbo we do have clients on on zero as well um but we have more clients on qbo than than any other platform for sure we've also used wave we've also used um, FreshBooks, like a, a number of different ones we have clients on, but QBO is our go-to platform when it comes to that right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so Zapier definitely makes me happier. That's that's the key. Uh, Calendly, and then uh, I feel like we're like the last firm who's still using um, Office instead of G Suite, but we do use Office. Um, so Excel, PowerPoint, all the uh, you know Outlook, all those you know, and, and as much as we'd love to not be dealing with email. Email is such a huge part of our day um, and yeah. consumes a huge amount of my time. Uh, yeah. I wish it didn't, but it, it like, yeah. I, if I were to rate my apps by the amount of time I spend in them, number one is probably Outlook, right? That's, that's yeah. where I'm spending more time yeah. than anything yeah. else. Um, and then in Canada, we use a, a technology or a, a financial, uh, a, um, a tool called Caseware, which is what we use for our financial oh, yes. statements. Um, yes. Profile for tax, um, which is the Intuit uh, product for tax here in Canada. Um, uh, Adobe is, as Hector said, is is an necessity. And Adobe was another huge uh, game changer. I mean, it's it's now. I mean, that's old news, but mm. it's still such an important part. We use it so often. Um, yes. You know, if if Adobe didn't exist, people, accountants couldn't be paperless, right? So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, 
those are my my hot apps for sure. Yeah. Um, and and there's there, you're right. There's there's probably hundreds of other ones that I touch in various different ways. Yeah. I've got I I don't know if I've got the time to actually go through and count all 224. No, of them. I'll because <laughs> I'm always kind of doing content creation and trying to explain it. And so that's probably why I'm adopting so many because I am trying to write about them and share them. So you yep. did mention Office 365. I, um, I run simultaneously Office 365 and G Suite because I find if you're away from either one for any length of time, you forget it and you need to be able to explain it in both ways to people. Um, yeah, so, so I, I, I do run one of them. But I will say being able to free yourself from um, Outlook into Gmail is the biggest freedom you will get. And so I have a thing that I say, my practice fits in my handbag and I can travel anywhere and open up and run my practice. And that is moving from Outlook because Outlook... Yeah, but holds you to your desktop. Can, can uh, I no, say something? Well, it yeah. doesn't for me. I've got Outlook on my mobile phone. Yeah, I, I was going to um, say that. Yeah, I yeah. use Gmail, I use G Suite, and I use Outlook. Uh, both things happen uh, at the same time. <laughs> it is possible to, to be in both worlds. So I, I have an Outlook yeah. app on the iPhone. It's great. Better than the okay. native there you email go. app. Well, yeah. and, and all of it, all for me, because I'm using an iPhone, all of it just feeds into my... Uh, my mail app, all right? Because I connect, I, you can connect Outlook, you can connect Gmail, you can connect your iCloud account. So I've got actually all, and I actually do have a Gmail account because when I started my own practice, I started with Gmail, um, but that's that practice has um, now been merged into into the new practice with my father. So my Gmail is basically going away, yeah. but the practice one is, is still Outlook. Um, and I have that all sort of centralized and, and feeding into one mailbox on my phone and in addition to that the i guess one of the other key apps that we use um is we use citrix so we are and i i am completely agreeing with you you got to have your business in your bag i don't have a handbag but that concept is, is the same <laughs> you have and a so man bag use, and i've just lost my uh my headphones have died i apologize um so hopefully you can hear me still um, yes but um we use Citrix Terminal Services, so our entire practice, even the apps that are not cloud-based apps for us are in the cloud because we can access our Citrix portal um, and log in from anywhere in the world and have complete access. So I can run yes. every piece of software my office runs, cloud-based or not, in the cloud anywhere I have internet access. Yeah, and, and that's what you got to get to. That's what, what you've got to get to, that you can run it. And that's why I kind of say in the handbag, because people can visualize that, because they're like, I actually couldn't do that. Oh, I need two monitors. How am I going to, 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 to do it from anywhere? And that's, I, I just kind of think that that's where, uh, for me personally, that was a good place to, to push to. Yeah. Um, but I am going to, I also think you need to try and move away from the iPhone and try an Android. <laughs> I hear that from I my think, developer friends I, all the time. But I think I'm so the iPhone, to the iPhone is a cult. And, and Apple, yeah, it's not but I think, it, I think it's a cult. And I think I it's, think we're losing Heather. Heather, we can't hear you. You're disconnecting. We're having a problem with the connection. I'm, I'm going to let you guys here. carry this home because my audio is going to crap too. Because uh, I was uh, my, the AirPods, which are awesome, have died on me. So all right, yeah, I, Heather, carry uh, us home, will you? Go ahead, go ahead. Heather, I was kidding. I was. Uh, I, I'm an Apple guy. So that's, that's what I was. <laughs> I was doing that mock losing connection thing. So when yeah, Andrew, 
cult. I think it's a cult. I think you need to contemplate Android. That's true. The thing is that this cult has costed me so much money to be a part of. You know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be out of it. It's an Apple. I got to tell you, the Apple cult is costing an influencer. And I think <laughs> you need to, uh, you know, to try I, the other side. It, it's just ease of use. It's just like, you know, like I know it. I, I, I've like, I know a, you get more, more, more bang for the buck on a PC versus a Mac dollar to dollar. You get more performance. I know you probably get more bang for the buck dollar to dollar feature wise on a Samsung Galaxy versus an iPhone. But something with the operating system with ease of use kind of captures you and just devours you. And it makes it, I mean, I'm speaking about myself. It makes it hard, like it will feel unproductive to mm -hmm. switch no, to another it's platform, even, yeah. even if it can make me more productive in the long term. So. Yeah. And there's always something like, oh, there's tax season, so not now. Oh, you know, some, uh, the kids are off of school, so it's summer, not now. Oh, tax season again, not now, conference season. Yeah. So there's always something yeah. going on where you don't want to change. So my statement to that would be that um, my perception of you, Hector, is that you're very much an educator um, and you have a massive YouTube channel, so you are very much an educator. And by adopting something that you actually feel uncomfortable adopting, helps you understand and re-empathize with your uh, clients and the people that you're educating that level of uncomfortability and because that was a new word uncomfortability <laughs> but that level of feeling uncomfortable with technology and so that's one of the reasons I pushed myself to try something it wasn't pleasant it it was not pleasant I used to have to stop people in the street and say what how do I do this how do I do this I can't can't even answer the phone or something like that but continually to find a piece of technology that makes you feel like a dummy and then learn it again helps you empathize with your uh, people that you're training that that that's that's one of my takes on it <laughs> uh yeah not gonna convince me yet but you, you made a really great <laughs> argument really really great points i'm gonna put them in the bank I'm going to put him in a, in a long-term asset, okay? We'll amortize that, we'll amortize that uh, later on. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, in many ways, I do try new things and, and make videos about it in my YouTube channel. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel like 12 years into my business, I'm starting to feel like the people I used to criticize, right? That they're way too comfortable for change. It's starting to <laughs> it is still ha it's starting to happen to me. Like, I'm... Like if, if QuickBooks were to be replaced with something else. You're going to be on an Android by next month, aren't you? No, nah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's one that I tried and I've just didn't have the patience for it. That was one that in, in the, the time that I was in, I, I couldn't like it just Apple made so much sense uh, at that time. Andrew, are you back? Uh, sort of. We'll see how long my audio lasts. It, it, it okay. recharged a little bit. It, it may not, it may die again, but I, you know, I may, I may try an, an Android. I want to get one of the Pixel phones because uh, they do such amazing um, video and, and, and picture quality. And I'd say there was a time when before Spotify, I would never have switched off of Apple just because of my music issues. But now that I'm on Spotify, there's really nothing holding me to Apple anymore. Um, so uh, I, the, my next phone may very well be a Pixel. <laughs> Mm. Pixel 4 by the time, I guess, by the time I'm ready for a new one. So 
I, I'll try. I'll I'll listen to you, Heather, and and maybe try yeah. a pixel. Well, it is. You know, this is kind of the space that we're in. If we're talking to people about technology, we continually have to re-level. It, it, you know, it's so easy to just say this is how you do it, but it, it it's remembering the empathy, the scared, the I can't find the button. I need to pull back to the dashboard. I feel like an idiot. Um, and and uh, going through that whole process again, um, and uh, and and what you do is you actually have empathy and understanding of a new system as well, and potentially new ways to do things. So, all right, we're we're over time, over time, Heather. You're, <laughs> but we I just met Heather today for the first time, so Heather. Can, can I can I say something? Sure, um, sure. I I thought it was very, I'm a very big fan of Reddit and I thought it was very cool that on the Reddit accounting channel, you were trending for um, a few weeks there with all the scandal that happened over your YouTube channel. I was like, oh, who is this person? Because I, I actually, I, I feel quite excited that I discovered you on Reddit um, and everyone was talking about you. <laughs> and only, I went, only a true, true, true nerd talks about Reddit. So Heather... <laughs> Heather, you, you get you get the medal, you get the medal. Yeah. Andrew and I are pretty techy, but I bet you that Andrew doesn't have a Reddit account, and neither do I. So. Oh my God, you oh. should go into an AMA on Reddit. Oh you know man, what an AMA that's is? A, I find that's a that's a black hole. That's another black but hole. You should, you, that's the dark tweeter. That's the dark tweeter. There's a massive fan club on Reddit for you, and they're talking about you constantly. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story since we're talking about Reddit. Your kids are going to find it one day. <laughs> uh, so I, I knew Reddit existed by, by name, but I didn't really know what it was. And when I came back from California, no, I went from Fort La, Fort, California to Fort Lauderdale. I was going, coming back from QB Connect, I think. No, I was coming back from uh, Intuit Council. I was, I, was, I was in Mountain View. I was in Intuit and I was coming back. And I was in the aisle seat in a regular, you know, like, the people's chair right in the airplane and in the middle the seat, seat in the middle seat this guy like great looking great techie looking guy sits next to me you know whips out whips out this like really cool looking headphones takes his computer out logs into the wi-fi and he starts typing like a maniac typing just like you know like a typing and he's opening up the screens that have code and i'm like damn man this this could be like a real Silicon Valley guy, you know, like this is this guy's gonna make it. Like I, I was thinking, I was sitting next to the, the next. The, I was thinking, I was sitting next to the next Zuckerberg, right? So I was trying not to look like I was looking, but I was totally looking. And he was, um, and he was in Reddit, and he was writing about uh, Westworld, which is an HBO show about artificial intelligence. He was writing about it, and he was like, he was like responding to messages, and this is this is like a whole Reddit. On Westworld, and I'm reading. I'm I'm reading the whole thing, and and in one of them, I I stumbled upon him. I'm like, you know, I, I'm trying to connect with the guy. I'm like, what are we gonna do, man? Life is just not gonna be the same. You know, Westworld is over. And he looks at me like, yeah, whatever. And he puts his headphones back on, and he keeps going. And then I pick some more, and I look at his name. I, I read his name on his Gmail account. His name is Alexis O'Heinen, and I was like, I'm gonna remember that name because I gotta figure out who this guy is, right? So the whole time in the coach seat, I was sitting with the next Mark Zuckerberg. He leaves as soon as I have reception, I Google his name. He's the CEO of Reddit sitting next wow. to me. And I didn't even know who he was the whole time. I didn't know who he was. I was making like corny Westworld wow. jokes, 
the CEO in a, in a, in a middle seat. And I was like, I, I never thought, you know, a millionaire would be in the middle seat of an airplane. Of course, you know, it must have been an emergency or some sort or something like that. He's the guy that married or proposed to the Williams with, the, with, the, the, with one, one of the Williams. Williams yeah, no, he's married yeah. to her. They that guy, that guy I sat next to, and I didn't, I never know it was him. I think he's, he, I think he thought I recognized him, and that's why he was being annoyed. I thought I, he thought I was being annoying. Um, and you were reading the computer. <laughs> I was, I was being annoying. I, I have to accept that, right? But I mean, it's a middle seat, you know. And the guy's like, and the guy's pretty big. He's pretty wide. So it's like, it's not hard, you know, to be looking at what I wasn't like staring at it. He, he didn't notice that. But I mean, and the guy was typing. So it was just so funny. Afterwards, I was like, man, I, I, I can't believe us. That's the only thing I ever said. with Reddit. Yeah, yeah. No, I was like, nah. Th then I looked them up and then I looked at the whole Reddit thing and I'm like, eh, that's not for me. Uh, I, that guy is one of my heroes. Like, I didn't know his name, but that guy's one of my heroes. I think it's a fabulous site. And it's, again, um, it's an area that people can really niche and learn about. And there's a massive amount of support happening on that site um, for people. So people will put in, in groups, say, look, you know, I've got no money tonight and people will send them a pizza and stuff like that. Not that you need a free pizza, but, but people are, are really, really super supportive on it. On it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we should wrap it up. We're going a little bit long uh, on that. Not, not you, Heather. I'm going to I thought this was now. a nine hour session. Yeah. You're, you're doing good. <laughs> we're going to turn this into the Joe Rogan podcast. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to compete with Joe Rogan. So, um, <laughs> Heather, thank you very much for coming on. I, I love having, we love having people from way across the pond. Um, I love hearing about, you know, what's going on in Australia. Uh, definitely come back, you know, some other time. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you back. Maybe we'll, we'll not talk about tax next time. Uh, maybe we can talk about technology. I think it'll be nice to talk. I like to, I like to, we talked about maybe six of the apps you're talking about. I like to dig into those 200 apps. I like to understand what a person running 200 apps looks like so it sounds like that may be a great topic for next time you come on awesome thank you so much for having me it's been a, a lot of fun good night yeah. good night thanks for joining us heather thank you have a good evening it's about three o'clock here in the afternoon um on saturday so i'm about to go and pack for my receipt bank exchange <laughs> I'm oh, look at you with your firecracker <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>